Hello folks and welcome to On The Call second season produced by the stars among us. This is Ozzy Stewart again and I thank you for tuning in to this thank you tour of mine. This is my thank you card which shines light on those who have impacted me and my life in one way or another. On this seventh episode of season two, I introduce you to Rakia Mays and that's spelled R-A-Q-I-Y-A-H, Mays. Don't get it wrong. So hello, Rakia. Hi, how are you? Fine, thank you. I am so thankful that you are here with me. I was looking at your name and I did a little bit of um, digging around in terms of the meaning. And some of the words that I found attached to your name was sensitiveness, creative, harmonious, refinement, uh, freshness, uniqueness, quickness, intuitive, sometimes shy. And I found that quite intriguing because it all seemed to be part of who you are. How, what do you think of that, those, those descriptions? I mean, I think that's interesting because that's right on point. A lot of that with who I am with, um, you know, definitely sensitive, definitely high emotional intelligence, um, you know, mm -hmm. definitely at times shy, quite camera shy, mm -hmm. uh, which is something I've struggled with all of my life. Um, you know, I, when I, I visited Iraq last year for some of the philanthropy work that I do, and when they found out my name is Rakia, they were like, do you know what your name is? And I was like, you know, I'd always been told highly empathic. Um, you know, Sky, Most High, uh, one of um, Muhammad's daughters was Rakia, and they were like, oh, your name is something regal, really high class, really, you know, um, uh, basically regal, like you said. And, yeah. and I was like, oh, well, well, I'll take that. And, and But it was funny because I'd met, when I was in New York, I was lost in the city, was looking for an address, walked into a, a, a place of business next door, it was a bar. And I said, hey, I'm looking for this address. And they're like, well, what's your name? And and I was like, Rakia. And it was like, the record stopped. And they were like, wait, your name is what? <laughs> and they were like, do you know what your name means in our country? This was an Albanian bar. And and they said, I said, what does it mean? I was like, telling them what I thought, you know, highly empathic. And they're like, oh no, Rakia is a very high shelf, high priced vodka in our country. <laughs> high, priced, high priced what? Vodka, highly intoxicating, high-priced vodka in our country. And I'm like, okay, so highly empathic, uh, highly intoxicating vodka, uh, regal. Wow. Uh, I, you know, I will, I will take it all, Ozzy. <laughs> it, it works. It works. A major list of credits, of which, if I were to dig deeply, would we would use up our entire time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to. Rakia has picked the top things. For instance, Rakia is an author, writer, executive producer, host of podcast Real Black News. And guys, you need to get up on that podcast. She's started um, as an intern at Vibe magazine, where she became a staff member, got on into hip hop radio show from City College, uh, recu recruited to work for Sirius uh, Satellite Radio, as a New York City radio personality, she worked uh, at the hip hop station Hot 97. She's also a journalist, wrote stories, 
uh, for Vibe, Source, Ebony, Essence, XXL, Black Enterprise, the Asso Associated Press, Billboard, Complex, hmm. Stint as an Actress, Platinos and Colored Greens, Author, Simon & Schuster, released novel, The Man Curse, which I've just read, Ricky, and we're going to talk about that. Great. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, I bought the book and I read it. Just finished it today. Oh. <laughs> um, she has also contributed a chapter to the Where Did Our Love Go? Love and Relationships in the African-American Community, which is an anthology written by African-American Film Critics Association President Gil Robertson. Reporter at large for showrunner Chio Hodari Coker's book, Unbelievable, The Life and Death and Afterlife of the Notorious B.I.G., which is turned into the feature film Notorious. Where else do we go work here? <laughs> She's written speeches for the Women's March and its co-chair Tamika Mallory. Today she is, uh, has expanded her portfolio to writing for the Nobel Peace Prize winning Amnesty International, the world's largest human rights organization. Hmm. Works include writing as the voice of Amnesty, USA's executive producer, and penned the organization's campaign messages on issues like police brutality, the Muslim ban, the Syrian refugee crisis, and working on her second, her second novel. She's also always been an activist issues affecting women, children, and African-Americans has accomplished so much. And what I want to delve into right now is hmm, the book, The Man Curse, first of all. Okay. I've got to tell you, I was, I am intrigued by your writing. Um, I know you've done some things with writing with uh in the film industry scripts etc but some i pulled out a couple of pieces of things that you've written dark as a skid mark wrinkled after a tumble in my purse being one because of the unity of two I was thirsty for juice that contained vitamins of common sense. A broccoli styled bushel of brown I'm describing hair. I mean, I wish I could write like that. I'm doing a book and I've been doing one for quite a while now. Um, one day it will come out, but um, it just pulls you right into visualizing what you mean, to, what you're saying. And it was a really, wonderful ride is there any parallel to you with the book yes definitely i mean i think you know something writers know and something that is said is that all fiction comes from fact and, and oftentimes our first books are reflections of our world uh that we're getting out i, I just wasn't brave enough to call it a memoir so names have been changed to protect the not so innocent and then there are some things that are completely made up um you know, and, and so, yes, you know, this man curse, um, you know, I, I did grow up hearing about a man curse in the family because women weren't married. Um, I, I like the protagonist, Mina, 
also wasn't sure about it, didn't fully believe in it. But then again, when you grow up hearing things, it, you, you subconsciously begin to believe in it. Right. And choices and relationships and your, your sense of self. And so, yeah, a lot of this did come from uh, things I've heard, things I've seen, things I've experienced, you know, which is, you know, the, the life of a writer, you know, mm-hmm. art imitating life. So with that, and looking at, there's so much of me in, the, in, in that book. <laughs> um, but looking at your life in, from your beginnings, from vibe, etc. You've been in a very deeply testosterone industry or industries. Yeah. What have been a, some of the challenges as a woman? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think when I was in working in hip hop heavily, you know, mm-hmm. we know hip hop is full of misogyny and yeah. um, just drama yeah and and lots of sexual harassment i think it becomes a way where there isn't one woman that came up in my time in hip-hop that doesn't have a story of being harassed of being disrespected of being touched or talked to inappropriately um and and some women have been sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. Um, i'm blessed and and lucky to say that I, i i'm not one of those women, but I could have. When I think about all of the time I spent, you know, as a journalist in the room alone with the rapper, in a hotel room alone with the rapper, things that were set up by the record label. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think back now and I'm like, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. we thinking, why, why did we do that? You know, um, I think even as I, you know, have worked in a lot of different places and industries, I, I think you, you will always, these signs of sexism and misogyny, whether it's an all woman, an entire department of women, and that the person that we all report to is the man. It's the only man on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, being the only woman on the team and, and having to smile uh, and deal with the jokes about sexuality or jokes about women or you know, um, people thinking because you are friends with someone and the, the joke about, oh, you're sleeping with him, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that happens in all industries. I've experienced that outside of hip hop, um, mm-hmm. where it's just this, this world of being a woman and, and this toxic masculinity that so many men are just not aware of where it's been given the green light that it's okay to do that when it is not. Right. Gosh, I hope as as um, that community of men, our community, let's be real, um, have improved in their in learning these things. What do you think? Some have, some have not. I mean, I think the beauty of the Me Too movement is, you know, I I I remember uh, I was at a Christmas party uh, a couple of years ago was for, you know, it's the yearly WBLS Hot 97 Christmas party. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I remember the conversation about Me Too. And it was good to hear brothers talk about it and be aware. Mm-hmm. Brothers who 
you know, or in the industry wanted to hug you, but then would stop and say, oh, I'm sorry. They would go in for the hug and then they'd stop and say, well, is it okay if I hug you? Right. And I, I remember all the women we were there, we loved that. We appreciated that. And, and their, their thought was like, well, you know, we have to ask now because you never know. And I, I, I could hear what they were saying, the sphere. But right. we as women, we were like, you should ask. And you've always, you always should have asked. Right. Uh, but now because there are eyes watching and because women are unafraid to speak up because we see that, that there will be repercussions and something will be done, which is why a lot of people haven't come forward because they'll be blamed. But seeing people actually being prosecuted mm -hmm. and there are repercussions for this has, has been a, a really great thing. So mm -hmm. yes, there's some change that's happening, but there's still a long way to go for. for By the way, did you have any mentors when you began? Yeah, or I had a lot of different mentors. I, you know, when I started out at Vibe, uh, the editor-in-chief at the time was Danielle Smith. Um, it, it, a big part of her, you know, really just, just showing me so much support when I wrote my very first piece was Really, it was really wonderful and, and, and it was a big part of me going on and feeling I could be a, a writer and a journalist um, in the industry. Um, if I hadn't had that, I don't know what I would have had, you know. So she was definitely uh, a mentor going on and, 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 and early on. And there were other women, whether they knew it or not, whether I asked them or not. Right. Um, I, I didn't always ask early on. I would just sort of learn, watch and, and pick things up. Um, mm -hmm. a long way, but, you know, from being a journalist, there are women that have, I've watched and who've taught me, you know, my mother, you mm -hmm. know, and her work ethic and, and really being about integrity, um, and, and doing what you say and following through and working mm -hmm. hard at it and, and not being okay with being average, being above average. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you mentor anybody now? You know, I have young people who mm -hmm. will reach out to me from time to time and ask questions. Mm -hmm. um, I've definitely throughout my career been involved with youth organizations and, you know, always found a way to teach classes and, and to give information. I recently did an interview with a young up and coming journalist and her questions were all about journalism and writing and different <laughs> things like that. So I've always been open. Um, it's beautiful to See, there are some young people I've interned who've gone on to do amazing things, and I love to take credit for that. <laughs> I love to say she was my intern, you know. Right. Um, but yes, over the years, yeah, I, I have, I have mentored. Living in LA, I, I haven't found any young people to mentor yet. Mm -hmm. um, especially, I'm working in film and TV, and I'm still working to break in myself. You know, there've been great opportunities and things I've done, but compared to those that I look up to. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a bit of a, a baby and I'm still learning, but when it comes to journalism um, and, and being in that world, you know, I'm always open to, to talking to, to young folks and that might hit me up, whether the email, sometimes randomly on LinkedIn, people are now asking questions about how to write a book um, and, and what that process might be like. So it's, it's always a really nice thing. Hmm. Now, let me ask you about your thoughts about the, no, first of all, how did Real Black News begin? You know, how did the idea come about? What was the model used? Yeah, my podcast, Real Black News, uh, which you all can listen where podcasts are, live, iTunes, Spotify, wherever. Right. But it began in 2018. 
18 because I was frustrated with the news cycle. I was frustrated with not being able to find news about us as a people, but also empowering news about us as mm -hmm. a people. Um, I, I think news that is, is will always be valid is news, of, of course, about the injustices and um, you know police brutality. That's important, and I talk about those things on my podcast, but I, I count down the top five Black news stories, but they are the top five empowering Black news stories um, about different things that we're doing across the country and sometimes the world mm -hmm. as a people that, that might not make the news that often doesn't make right. the news and, and and that that kind of stuff is important to me so it came out of a frustration uh, as a news junkie right. um as having been a long time journalist of, of not saying our stories but 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 also that we're not a monolith mm -hmm. you know we're all not victims mm -hmm. we're all not you know uh uh surviving some sort of uh, abuse or police brutality abuse like mm -hmm. there are those of us that are entrepreneurs that are doing wonderful things starting businesses winning awards heading up colleges all of these things i think are important for us to see ourselves mm -hmm. in that light as well because it helps inspire us and it helps implant in us that that there's more to our narrative than trauma trauma and victimization. So that's where um, real black news came from. But also I think having been in, on the radio and, you know, pressing buttons and playing Beyonce or <laughs> playing who I love, don't get right. me wrong, but I wanted a talk show. I wanted a show for the people that lifted right. up the community and being told no, um, because the, you know, the talk show formats were, were all older men in mm. their sixties and fifties, you know, and, mm -hmm. and for me, it was just like, yeah, but what about my voice? What about my voice that represents Gen X and other generations and has a different viewpoint and, 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 and wants to talk about what's happening right. in the world? What, what about me as a woman? Um, so instead of complaining about it, I started something and it's gone well. It's been really amazing. Extremely well. And the, the people that you have on there, I mean, huh, you, you just sat with Dr. Monique Morris. Yes. Amazing. She's really amazing. She really is. Prior to that, you sat with the great Reza. Yes. <laughs> Wu-Tang. Yes. Prior to that, you were Dr. Randall, Randall uh, Pinkett. The Randall Pinkett, yes. And one of mine favorite from last year, was he last year or year before? Last year, I believe. Joanne Reed. Yes, Joanne. Who is now sitting in her own seat, prime time, rather right. than just weekends with AM Joy. Yes. And it's just a wonderful testament the way that you've gone about your life and every every instance, from whether it's vibe to serious to to you know to all these other things now, black news and it's your own baby. Yes. What are your thoughts about how the media is covering media's coverage of COVID? versus the mass killings. One of the, the, the conversations that I've been hearing is that the elitists, our black elitists, are considering the coverage of COVID to be more than it should be, rather than covering mass shootings. COVID deaths versus mass killings. I, I, I'm, I'm a little confused as to the thinking yeah, that, that, that thinking confuses me as well. I mean, I think you're talking about two different stories, right? Um, one, and, and when you say 
mass shootings, a lot of different things come to mind. And, and I think there are segments within that. Mm-hmm. School shootings, which aren't happening right now, obviously, because everything's virtual. You have um, shootings in low income areas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have shootings um, in the black community. I mm-hmm. like the segment that from low income areas because, mm-hmm. you know, we know um, um, in, in low income Asian communities and in low income white communities, people shoot each other. Right. Right. Even though it's not covered by the media, um, you know, you have white supremacist shootings that happen, um, you know, which are our mass shootings. You have police brutality, which I also consider mass shootings of unarmed black and brown people that happens in this country. Um, so I, I think that's th- there are a lot of different things there and in different segments. Um, but then you have COVID-19, mm-hmm. which is a worldwide pandemic right it has killed millions right of people across the world there are as as i'm looking at john hopkins now 1.2 million global cases 1.2 million right 46 million people with it right and and i think many of us uh know someone who has been affected by it, has had it, um, has died from it, or had a a family member with six degrees of separation. And the fact that it is overwhelmingly affecting the black and brown community, because more of us are on the front lines, um, it makes it a present, a timely story, which is a journalist's responsibility. Right. Um, But but we are in a crisis right right now, and especially in a country um, that's headed by uh, a president as we tape this as of news time. We'll see what happens on election day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that doesn't believe in it, it completely denies it. And, and so I think there are different stories to be told. Um, right. and I think instead of debating, well, how come the media is not covering this? And we, the media has historically, uh, ignored issues that affect the black community. And I would mm-hmm. assume that some of the these, these these 10 percenters, I like to call them talented 10 folks, mm-hmm. um, are are people who are, when they say mass shootings, I'm going to mildly, hesitantly <laughs> assume that they're talking about shootings in the black community. I don't Correct. know. Correct. Um, but if that's what they mean, then mm-hmm. I, I think they're answering their own question. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I think you have outlets that cover that. Fox News does a, does a job with covering shootings in the black community to... Right. To lift up the law and order uh, stance that that Trump tends to take, and a lot of Republicans tend to take, mm-hmm. take um, you know. But I, I think you know, instead of us complaining about how come our the media isn't covering our stories, I think it's about time to look at the solution, mm-hmm. which is creating your own outlet. Black media outlets are dying; right. they are. We hear about it all of the time. They're struggling. To survive media as a whole is dying right. but especially black media so i would i would encourage people that that think that some things aren't being covered and how come we're not talking about this well you know what start a podcast it's free <laughs> you know what start a blog start a newsletter yes. lean in and be a part of the solution yes thank you by that problem like you start a podcast talk about the issues <laughs> thank, thank you, you. With that, I have had um, now 21 people that I've known 
been associated with, plus family member who passed by, uh, who passed because of COVID. I'm sorry. It's been a heavy year. Thank wow. you. Yeah. But what has been yours, your experience with COVID? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought that my family had uh, coasted a bit, I thought, um, until recently um, I, I had my, uh, my, my godmother had COVID mm-hmm. and a lot of her family had it. Her husband recently died. His funeral mm-hmm. was actually this week. Um, I have a cousin uh, who was older in Vegas and had COVID um, and a lots of six degrees, right. uh, six degrees of separation, people who've been affected by it and have lost someone. And so, so that has really been my um, experience with it. And, and, and it's just really sad and it's crazy to think all of these people have died, to think in March, at least in America, we were late to find out about COVID. Right. And to count from March up until November 1st, we're talking about eight months. Right. Millions of people gone is is really, really- uh, Traumatizing. Oh my gosh, it's frightening. It's, yes. and, and that doesn't even count, you know, the people that died. I have friends now um, who, you know, I have a friend actually who, um, you know, her mother died of, uh, they said it was pneumonia. So, 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 but now she's wondering if it was actually COVID, right? Because she died mm-hmm. before we were talking about COVID. So mm-hmm. to think about those people that passed that mm-hmm. we didn't even know about COVID, mm-hmm. um, you know, January, February, some say it might even go back to December right. and November. How long is it, how, has it been in our country right. before we were actually counting it? And, and so I think the numbers are much higher and, and it's plus really- we don't even know those who have passed in their homes who have not really been right gone through the, right. the, the hospital because right you know, homeless people mm-hmm. that don't have an advocate to push for an autopsy mm-hmm. like so many so many and this is happening around the world this is happening mm-hmm. to overwhelmingly black and brown people around yeah. the world because right. because who are on the front lines right i have a friend who lived with her mother and brother and a couple of others in, in one apartment here in uh, brooklyn and the mom passed and the and her brother passed yep. a week later. Yep. Clusters. That's <sighs> pretty much how it spread. And so so for me it's it's really touched on because my brother is up at Stanford. My brother is a scientist, he's a mm-hmm. biomedical engineer. Um he's also um in his third year of med school. Um and so he's been studying these things and, mm-hmm. and he was probably the first person I would say back in March, he started calling people and, and saying, hey, I'm just calling my family because I want you all to know this is real, this is serious, and this is what you need to do. Like he was just supplying uh-huh. information and making predictions. Everything he said turned out to be true. Everything uh-huh. he has continued to say um, has been true. Even the things that I didn't want to uh-huh. hear. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm thankful for that, but it's also scary, especially in light of living in a place where there's someone, the leader of the free world, <laughs> who is denying it, who is saying doctors are making up numbers, who's having mass, you know, spreading it events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Horrifying. It, it, yeah. it, it, and he could win. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine another four years? Oh my God. He could win. He hmm. could win. And, and um, 
So we are in bizarre times. 2020 has been something. Let's let's just pray yes. that 2021 will will hope will be a lot better. You know. Yes. And with that thought, what are your your um, thoughts on Dr. Anderson's book, Paranomics? And just for my audience, Paranomics is a book that helps teach blacks how to pool resources and aspects of power so that they can produce, distribute, and consume in a way that creates goods and wealth. Yes, I love that and I believe in that. I think we've seen signs of that around the country. Yes. You're hearing about, I think it was in Georgia, uh, a number of black families got together and created, so they bought land and, yes. and created their own uh, place of living, almost returning it to the Black Wall Street Yes. Days and, and so the Tulsa days. And so um, you're beginning to see that around the country where people are combining and pulling sources. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great. I think it's about time we do that. Yes. I think, sure, you know, there's a certain element. Um, and I think part of the movement is fighting for what's right and, and fighting for human rights and fighting for civil rights. And, you know, whether you do that on the streets or via petition or you know, by the giving of money or as a politician, those are all forms of activism. But then there's also remembering that while they're fighting for this, we also have a responsibility to bring our, ourselves together as a people and say, well, if they're not going to do it for us, then we need to do it ourselves. Right. And I really, I really, I believe in that. Um, I, I do, I believe even that. And I think it's, it's an excellent way of thinking thinking and I hope more will think like that as we move forward. Right. And and without getting into the whole politics of uh, Ice Cube and Little Wayne, etc., we're going to move to Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, what do you enjoy most about your life, your work uh, and your work as a podcaster? What do I enjoy most about my life and my work? I mean, you know, I've always been someone that anyone that knows me knows that I've been a about doing what I'm saying, going to do, mm -hmm. um, and 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 following my heart, right? Mm -hmm. Following my creativity. So people might say, "Oh, you do so many things." I'm like, because that's how I was raised. That there's nothing that you can't do. Right. There's nothing, and you are here to make a difference in the world. That is our purpose to to make the world a better place. And, and so, I've always been someone that has leaned into my dreams, um, believing that that I can make them happen and that they will happen. Um, and and the evidence of my life has shown that to be true. Um, yes. And I will continue to do that. And so that is what brings me the greatest joy. You know, I've always been focused on legacy. You mm. know, what, what can I do and create that long after I'm gone, you know, um, and then as we live in this COVID society, we it makes us think about our mortality, mm -hmm. right? So, I, I think about what have I done that should tomorrow be my last day? What am I leaving behind that's making an imprint? Is it whether it's this podcast, which will always live? Mm -hmm. um, you know, even if I were to stop it tomorrow, it's still there. Mm -hmm. Or is it my book, The Man Curse, um, which mm -hmm. will always be around mm -hmm. for people to receive. And even after it's, even if it's on Amazon now, there's still themancurse.com, but <laughs> you just letting, pe letting people know like, okay, if Amazon were to go away, yes, we could put this on another platform. This book lives and will live on people's bookshelves. And, and so that's what makes me happy is that I'm finally in a place in life where I'm like, 
I intentionally do things that are about lifting up the black community, that are about building a legacy um, and, and leaving something behind that makes a difference for us as a people. They're gonna be reading and learning about you for years and years. And just to, just to, just wanna ask, you mentioned the man curse in the book. There's uh, Karen Hunter, the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, best-selling author, publisher, Sirius XM host of the Karen Hunter Show said, there hasn't been an author in 20 years since Terry McMillan to fully express the experience of black women in love and romance. I believe Rakia Mays can fill that void with the man curse. And honey, for me, you have. Oh. Seriously, seriously, you have. So Thank you. now you're welcome. What do you enjoy doing when not working? <laughs> well, when I'm not working, um, pre-COVID, I call it BC, before COVID or after COVID. Uh, well, you know what? Give me both. Because we still have to live in the COVID in some way, you know? It's true. It's true. BC, I, you know, I, I'm, I continue to be then and now a big movie buff. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, before COVID, it, it was going to the movies like that's my thing. You know, that's mm -hmm. my, I would always tell people if I ever go missing before you called and reported my, me missing, check the local movie theater in the back. Cause I might be somewhere in the back just hanging out all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love movies. I, I love the beach. I'm a beach girl. I love LA mm -hmm. for that. And, um, and, and I would go to the beach and, and just hang out all mm -hmm. day, meditate and journal and sometimes write or sometimes just think about and visualize what's next for me uh -huh. um, so so those are the the, the types of things that uh, i really um enjoy doing um i i think now and i'm also a big foodie <laughs> i love going to a restaurant mm -hmm. trying a different place and eating mm -hmm. um i think now it's been I love drive-in movie theaters. That's mm -hmm. my thing. Like the drive-in, it takes me back to the eighties yep. when I was a little girl. Yeah. You know, watching ET. Yeah. And that's the drive-in movie theater. I, I really have enjoyed the drive-in movie experience. Um and uh, I still will go to the beach. I, I will usually try to find an off day and yeah. I'll find a socially distant spot far right. away from everyone <laughs> off yeah. the stands. Yeah. And pack my laptop, pack my notebook, my, my you know, my blanket and sit out and, and just kind of chill and relax from life. I think lately I've been working to find more things to do. So, you know, birthday time's coming around. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll buy myself a bike as mm -hmm. a gift and begin mm -hmm. bike riding. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I've been taking walks and I'm getting bored with the sights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if I see that house one more time, <laughs> oh my gosh. Then I try to jog. I'm like, that's oh, still the same house. And so I'm looking into other activities to to stimulate my mind. Uh so yeah, so so that's what but but I have done the restaurant thing outside socially distant. It's been okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I'll be doing that as much going into flu season. Right. Any pet peeves? Yes. Uh, Let's have them. Yeah, <laughs> I I I come from a family that where they used to say my great grandmother used to always say the only thing worse than a thief is a liar. A liar will get you killed. Um, mm. And so I come from a really honest family. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we've had to work on on that honesty mm -hmm. and how we share it. Mm -hmm. um, 
so lies lying is like my thing like <laughs> you know just i'm always like just tell the truth you know mm-hmm. um because i can deal with it it's okay you know and, mm-hmm. and and i also believe all truth comes to light so why why right. tell the lie when we're all going to find out at some point so so mm-hmm. that's a pet peeve that's a major pet peeve all the way down to well what used to be a pet peeve we're in covid so people aren't traveling but i i really used to dislike um you know people coming to town and then letting me know after they left like oh yeah i was just there hey <laughs> i'm like okay so you didn't call me you, you couldn't it's okay if you couldn't see me but why are you telling me after you've left yeah you so then basically you're telling me you didn't reach out to me you, right like whoa that ozzy <laughs> Don't let me go on Facebook and see that you were just in LA. But you didn't reach out to me? Uh, I mean, like I said, now it's different. It's COVID. But pre-COVID? BC? Yeah. Oh, no. That that was a problem. Like, what? You did what? You're not my friend. <laughs> the thing is, is that, if that, you know, why would they just keep it quiet altogether? This is so much stuff. Because that's social media. People have to tell the whole world where they were, what they were doing. I was here. But what that does is it, I don't know. I feel resentful about those things. Like, really? You didn't read. You couldn't even text me and say, hey, I'm coming to town. I'm not going to be able to get up with you. I'm really busy. But I did want to let you know. Maybe we can catch up next time. Right. Easy. Yes. 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 (laughs) Easy, easy. But somehow, somehow. Yeah. At this point, is there an organization or organizations or company that you'd like to shout out to? Because, you know, in this uh, time, there are lots of, you know, whether restaurants and other companies that are really having a hard time. Yeah. What I'd like to say, and I, I, I won't focus on one, but I am going, I do want to stress on the importance of buying black right now. If you can support, um, Black-owned restaurants, Black-owned nonprofit organizations. Um, it's 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 important because those of other um, uh, ethnicities and racial backgrounds they 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 support, you know. And so, really working to be intentional and going on and googling and looking to see who you can actually support, you know. And I, and I think overall, something I know I've I, because I'm in a privileged position where you know, I'm, I'm I'm not struggling and, and I can pay my bills and I have a roof over my head. And so when I do order in, order food or anything, order groceries, like increasing that tip. Yes. You know, give it a, if you can't give a 20% tip, give it. But, 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 you know, at a minimum 15, we know, right. you know, but, but giving a little bit more, right. um, if you can, because, because those folks are really, they're on the front lines and, and, and they are putting their, their life in danger, whether they believe they are or not. Right. Um, it's because they have no other choice. Right. So so give more and, and remember that and, and, and support them uh, with a little bit more if you're in the position to be able to do that. Right. That's what I would say. Well, my dear, this has been a lovely, lovely time with you. And I thank you so much um for being here ladies and gentlemen listening to this podcast please remember rakia r-a-q-i-y-a-h mays m-a-y-s check her out on her real black news 
podcast. Rakia, thank you so much for spending thank this you. time, allowing me this precious, these precious minutes on my little podcast. No problem. No problem. And all matters. Keep doing it. And thank you so much for your work and lifting up Black stories. It's important. Thank you. And friends, thank you for spending your valuable time with us as well today. Please care to share. And remember, when you're on your beat, stay on the sunny, sunny side of the street safely. Mask up. Rakia, I'll be looking forward to your other podcasts. And I'll be following you as I followed you since you were in New York. Oh, I appreciate that. That's some years, girl. <laughs> I really, okay. I really right. And make sure you um, get uh, the book, support my book, The Man Curse. Absolutely, The Man Curse. I got it on uh, Amazon, guys. It was very easy. Got to me in a couple of days and loved it. Read it from cover to cover. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.